0: Church, everybody doing all right? Y'all awake, ready for this? Man, first service was awesome, and I expect the same here. I know you're waiting on me to say something about Tennessee. Um, if you're new and you don't know this, I'm a huge Tennessee volunteer fan, huge college fan. So yesterday was awesome. I mean, I think we can all agree, unless you're an Alabama fan, that it's great when Alabama loses. Are you with me? All right. Can I get an amen? All right. So, um, but uh, seriously, I like went to bed watching highlights, and I woke up this morning watching highlights. All right. So... Um, Uh, it's really, really exciting. You can even see the orange lights. right. I was going to say, I tried to get the worship team to play Rocky Top, but they didn't. So, uh, but anyway, it was good last night being able to text uh, with our staff and teaching team. So Wayne, our lead pastor, huge Alabama fan. And so on the text, as the game was going, because he was super nervous, as he should be, he really didn't say anything. And then they went up, and all of a sudden, he decided to talk, right? And was like, oh, this is making me nervous. And so then we fumbled the ball. If you watch the game, Tennessee fumbled the ball close to the end zone. They picked it up and scored, went ahead. I think it was like four minutes left. I was like, that cost us the game. Wayne uh, sent me a text. He said, I don't know. It takes us six minutes to score a touchdown, and it takes you 30 seconds. And so I was like, yeah. And so then, if you didn't watch the game, this is what happened. We had, Tennessee had 15 seconds left. We did two plays and kicked the field goal for the win within 15 seconds. So I text him back, and I said, looks like we only need 15 seconds, ha, 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 you know? So uh, I, told, uh, I told them on the text, tomorrow in the office, I'm entering in the office like Ric Flair. Like, seriously, I'm going to be like, you know? Uh, and he, Wayne said, enjoy it for three weeks, because that's when we played Georgia. And that would be huge, because Dallas is a Georgia fan, Pat, Ashley, Will Bray, Josh Pratt, so five staff members that are living in sin, and they <laughs> don't don't share that, okay? But anyway, uh, but no, it, feel, it feels good, so I'm excited, but I'm more excited about just this series of what God is doing in our church, and if you remember, if you were here last week, we started a brand new series called What If, and really, I mean, it kind of I don't know about you, this, just even studying this and looking really kind of punches you in the face. It's not very encouraging in a lot of regards as we are looking at what if we use our time, our talent, and our treasure or our resources to impact the kingdom of God and advance the kingdom of God more so than our kingdom. And I think we're all guilty of this. That's why it's so convicting. I talked about this last week, is anytime you start to talk about how we manage our time and our abilities and our resources, there's something that convicts us because I think each of us could be doing more or are mismanaging what God has given us. And so I think it's so important for us to talk about this in the short week or the short series uh, for three weeks. Last week, we talked about time. And we looked at Ecclesiastes and we saw that, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. And we really have no idea that what God has. He's the one who is the author and the maker of our days. And so for us to, to really, as the psalmist writes in Psalm 90, as he prays, teach us, God, to count our days. Now, there is just something about us that we need to live with a sense of urgency and a sense of gratitude each and every day as we're not promised tomorrow to make the best use of our time. And so we talked about that last week, and this morning as I was preparing, I was thinking about this, and I really kind of kept thinking about this problem that our society and our culture faces. I think that you would agree, especially if you are a parent, we're probably part of the problem, um, is that we live in a, in a society that has a mentality of entitlement. We just live in a world, I think it's one of the biggest um, You know. Epidemics in our world where we just have this sense of you owe me or I deserve that. How many times have we heard in life um, that's not fair? Or if you're a parent, you tell you know, you're talking to your kids and they tell you something and you're like, why? And they're like, because. You know, have you ever had your kids do that? I'm like, because nothing. You know, this is, I'm a dictator of this household. You know, this isn't child-centered parenting, you know. Uh, And so I rule rule this thing, you know, kid. And so we live in this world that does this. And I was thinking about this. It kind of hit me. So earlier, I think I remember, I can't remember if it was this week or last week, I was in Chick-fil-A. And I love Chick-fil-A, right? It is just, they baptize it, and it's just Christian chicken, right? They baptize that stuff in the oil, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all right? And so I just love Chick-fil-A. And I think we can all agree that Chick-fil-A has revolutionized the fast food industry. I mean, we, we have seen they make tons of money. They're closed on Sundays. How do they do that? Everything. And I think that, that really the secret is, while I do love their food, what they sell is customer service and a clean environment and all those different things. And so, but it's, a, it's really interesting that a, a change of perspective for us. I was in Chick-fil-A and um, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think I had pickles on my sandwich and I wasn't supposed to have pickles. And like the thought crossed my mind, I'm like, why do they put pickles in my sandwich? This is Chick-fil-A, you know? Have you ever done that, right? And it's like, you know, there's been times where I'm like, I'm supposed to have a Coke Zero, not a Diet Coke. They taste different, okay? Or whatever the case may be. But then it hit me. I'm like, you know what? And This is truth, is that I would rather have a mess up in Chick-fil-A than a mess up in McDonald's. Are you with me? I would rather wait five minutes in Chick-fil-A than five minutes in McDonald's. And it's just one of those things. When you wait in McDonald's, five minutes seems a lot longer than five minutes, and more than likely, you're not going to get it right. And let's be honest, the ice cream machine is going to be broken. All right. So don't try to get a McFlurry. But it's one of those things that we have like this sense of entitlement that I'm like, I'm in Chick-fil-A and because they've raised the bar in expectations of customer service. Now, all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I'm thinking they should, they should be at this level. And, and it, it, think about it. Like, I would rather be there and it be wrong than be at McDonald's. You with me? It's like this sense of entitlement. And <clears throat> my kids play sports. And, and maybe we can disagree on this, but I'm a firm believer that, you know, that kids need to learn how to lose. And so these sports where it's like everybody's a winner, we don't, you know, everybody gets a medal and a trophy, and we're not keeping score. I'm like, no, you're a loser, You know, Alabama lost, okay? Alabama lost. Tennessee won, you know? And and, and there's got to be winners and losers. And it's okay for me to look. My kid, uh, my youngest kid had a basketball game. They got smoked yesterday. I think it was like 54 to like 24 or something like that. I'm like, sorry, kid, you lost, (laughs) you know? You don't get a trophy for that. But we live in a world that's like, that's not fair. And so the danger of that society, that mentality is what ends up happening is that it creeps in and bleeds into the church. And what ends up happening is that the church, instead of being a place of community to have a sense of belonging, it becomes a commodity to be consumed. And so a lot of times in churches, especially in America, we enter the doors of the church with a checklist of all of these things that need to happen. And when we leave, we say things like this. Uh, that was an okay message. You know, like they didn't really, those weren't my favorite songs. I really wish the kids ministry would do X, Y, and Z, and it, it would really be perfect. And, and here's the, now I think as a church, obviously I have a biased opinion. We do incredible things really, really well, but we are full of people that are imperfect. So we're going to make mistakes. But at the same time, we should be looking at this place as a community, not this consumeristic mentality of entitlement that, you know, I got to find this for me in this. And it's really, really interesting um, that we have that mindset. Now, I'm going to step on some toes with this next comment, and that's okay. I might even break your foot, all right, is that with this, think about this, we often want the church to meet all of our needs, but unwilling to give to what the church needs. Think about that. We want the church to meet every single criteria in our checkbox. The pastor does this, the music does this, it has small groups, it has missions, it has kids environment. And and I'm not saying that's wrong for you to think these ways. But we have to reciprocate and not to say, not what's in it for me, but what can I give? We see the early church in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, that the early church were about meeting the needs of one another. It says they met, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to communion. They shared possessions. When one had needs, somebody would sell things to meet the needs of those people. That's the kind of community that they had, that they were in this together. And so it wasn't about what can the church do for me? It really is like, hey, how can I contribute and participate in this mission of the church? And so what we, what we see is really that as believers, if you have been changed and transformed and Jesus has changed your life, then really the question that should mark our lives is how can I serve? Instead of I have to serve. You, get, you see the difference there? That we should have this heart and this posture of taking the time that God has given us and saying, how can I make an impact in the body of Christ? How can I serve in the church, with the church, alongside the church? And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 25, the very first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. And this is an incredible story. Uh, It's the parable of the talents. And um, man, I'll tell you, reading this, it, it should humble every single one of us it should at the very least convict us of something of really the question, are we being good stewards of not only just the time that God has given us, but the talent and the ability that he gives every single one of us? And whether you believe this or not, every single one of us, God has given us, one, this life, but two, some gift, some passion, some ability to to use for his kingdom. And so Jesus tells this amazing parable This humbling, sobering parable to his disciples to really prove a point. And remember, parables are made-up stories, made-up illustrations to drive home one single point. And we're going to look at that this morning. So let's read together in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. Jesus says this, "...for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property." To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. And his master once again said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And then he also had, um, he also who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Encouraging words this morning, right? Man, what a hard, sobering passage. And you might think just from the initial thought of this parable, okay, does this have to do with our finances? Because a talent had value to it. So as the master is giving this talent to each of these servants, this master is about to go away. He's traveling. He's going to be away for a long time. And he gets these three servants and he says, hey, here's five talents, here's two, and here's one. A talent represented, it usually weighed about 80 pounds approximately in either silver or gold. And it was worth about 6,000 denarii, which uh, equated to about 20 years worth of work. That's one talent. So think about this. One talent is worth 20 years of work. Now, that's a lot of money. When you say five talents, right, to think that that is worth 100 years worth of work. But the principle of this parable is not a financial stewardship as much as it is What does the servant or the servants, what do they do with what the master has given them? Does that make sense? So he's not concerned about, hey, here's more money, here's more money. What do you do with it? It's more about the heart of the issue. I'm giving you this. Are you going to be faithful with what I have given you? So there's this correlation that Jesus is showing in this parable between, okay, I'm giving you abilities, Uh, I've given you talents. Now, what are you going to do with them? So if you're taking notes, here's our first point this morning is that God wants to use you, but it's not about you. God wants to use you, but it's not about you. Now, in this story, what we see is that, yeah, the master gave according to the, the servant's ability. And so he did say, okay, this one has a little bit more ability, gave him five. You know, the one, I hate to be the guy with the one and be like, what am I, (laughs) you know, type thing. But that wasn't the purpose. The purpose wasn't about who they were as servants. Once again, it was about what they were going to do. And the master entrusted them. It said that he entrusted them with his property. And so as the master entrusted them, you know, to say, okay, I'm going away for a long time. What are you going to do with this? It wasn't about them. It wasn't about what they bring to the table, what they don't bring to the table. It was essentially, hey, what am I going to do to return to my master what he has given? How am I going to be faithful with that, that item, those talents, that ability? And so we see that the talents actually represent opportunities for them to use their abilities. The same is true with us. God gives us our time and he gives us our talent to be used as opportunities to make the best use of the time and the best use of what he has given us to point people to Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. Think about this as a prime example. Jesus, the son of God, came to this earth. And you see several different scriptures in the New Testament about this, especially Paul points this out. When Jesus came, he modeled what being a servant was all about he pointed people back to his father, right? He didn't, he could have came as the son of God and shown up and when he started his ministry and said, hey, listen to me, everybody. I'm the son of God, you're nobodies. <laughs> Go over here, don't touch me, don't talk to me. Let the disciples do the dirty work, <laughs> you know? He could have said that, but instead he got his hands dirty. He went to the outcast. He spent time with the nobodies. He touched the lepers and was just a servant. We see in Mark ten forty-five. it says, even the Son of God did not come to be served, but to what? Serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so you have Jesus, who essentially came, modeled to his disciples what serving was all about, all the way to really the cross by serving you and I and dying in our place because of sin. And as a servant modeled this way, because it wasn't about him, he denied himself. And he told his disciples, hey, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself. Right? That's what Jesus did. And The truth is, and it's on the screen, when we deny ourselves, we're not living for today, but instead living for eternity, right? We're living for eternity. We're not just saying it's all about me right now. We're denying ourselves to make a greater impact for eternity. That when I say I'm going to serve this person, that it's not about me, but it's about pointing people to Jesus because Jesus can change their life. And think about this, just to be honest. If Jesus comes, the Son of God, and he models this for his disciples, and he goes all the way to the cross and lives this kind of lifestyle, who are you and I to think that we do not need to serve? In some kind of capacity, that we make life all about ourselves, about our things, and we live in this world, you know, um, the person who wins dies with the most toys, or whatever that saying is. You know, think about that. Who are we to think that we don't have to serve? If we're going to model Jesus, we have to serve in some capacity. We have to use our talents and the time that God has given us to point people to Jesus, to be like Jesus. Isn't that the whole point of, of being a Christian to follow Jesus and be like Him? Are we going to fail? Absolutely. But for us to strive after that. And we see that serving is not about self, but self sacrifice. Serving does take us stepping away, because it's not about us, to say, God wants to use me, but I don't want all the fame. I just want to serve. I just want to do this. I want to do this or do this to point people so they can hear about Jesus in some way, in spite of me, in spite of my failures. It's not about me. I'm going to have to sacrifice some time. I'm going to sacrifice some things, but I want Jesus to be made famous and so we see that these, the first two servants are faithful in that. The second point this morning is that God wants to use you, but you have to do something. You have to do something. So these first two guys in the parable, they go, and as they come and they give to the master, the master says, job well done, good and faithful servant. I've given you little, you're going to be faithful for much, come into my joy. Second guy comes with two. He doubled his talents. Same thing. Did you catch the response as harsh as it is with the third one? The third servant comes. He's like, hey, I hit it. I was afraid. I, I buried it. And so here, you can have what you gave me. This, this is it. The response of the master was, you are wicked and slothful. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get to the end of my life, I don't want anybody to say I was slothful, (laughs) okay? One, because it's a weird word. But two, not a way for anybody to describe you. It's not good. And the servant didn't say, job well done, good and faithful servant. He said, wicked and slothful. Now, I'm going to be honest. The world that we live in, we would expect the master to say, hey, it's okay. We all fail. Let's do a redo, (laughs) you know? We all get trophies. You know, I, I know, let's, let's use this as a teaching moment. And so why don't you, why don't you do this again? I'm going to give you 30 days, teach, you know, why don't you journal about it, okay? And then bring it back to me. But what we see is the master didn't say that. He said, you are wicked and slothful. He it, actually, at the end of this uh, passage, he actually says, he calls the servant worthless, I don't want to be called, I don't want to be known as a worthless servant in the eyes of God. And you might be like, well, that seems a little harsh. God is loving. Man, I want, instead of that, I want job well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you? That with the time and the gift that he has given us, we have to do something with it. God doesn't give us time and talent to be lazy, passive, and to make excuses. He calls us to live with what he has given us to make the most out of the opportunity. I think what's so interesting is that this third servant, when he comes, he says, I knew, I, I, I knew that you, you didn't sow here and you gathered here. I, I knew you were a hard man. I think for many of us, especially in the American church, we know who God is. We at least know some kind of framework of what scripture says about God. We know what he expects as believers. We definitely know the commands to serve. We see Jesus model it. I mean, think about this. The final days of Jesus's life are spent him washing the disciples' feet. I'm just going to be honest. I love y'all. But if I had like two days to live, I'm not washing your feet, okay? But he chose to enter into the world in humility and to go out in humility, serving that way and this servant, he knew who God was. He knew what he needed to do or was supposed to do, yet he decided not to. And if you really think about it to the point, selfishness leads to disobedience. I mean, I could teach that to my kids. How many times, I don't know if you're a parent, I ask my kids why they wanted to do something, like, because I wanted to. Why'd you hit your brother? Because I wanted to. And it was disobedient because it was selfish. And oftentimes when it comes to serving, we say things like this. I don't have the time. I'm busy. Join the club. Everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. That's an excuse. Because we make time for things that are important to us. Right? We make time for what we put as a priority and what we see as significant and important. I make time for the things that are important in my life. And as believers, as life happens and we get distracted and we go off all these different ways, especially if you're like me and you have ADHD, it's like squirrel, you know, and you run over here or run over this way, that for us, we should constantly be evaluating our lives and saying, are my priorities in line with Scripture and with what God wants? Because oftentimes we put all of our priorities over here and they're misaligned with the kingdom. And so we have to look and we have to say, okay, am I being selfish? Am I making things about me? Am I showing my kids that serving is important? Am I showing them the beauty of the church and, and the impact? Not about getting just all my needs met, but meeting the needs of the church. It's so, so important for this. And you see we make time for everything, but God calls us to do something. I love this in Matthew 23, Jesus says this, "The greatest among you shall be your servant." He doesn't say the greatest among you is him who makes all the money. He doesn't say the greatest among you is the one who's popular. He doesn't say the greatest among you is the one that has a very successful job and is working all their way up. He says, the greatest among you is the one who is your servant. The greatest among you is the one who serves. Do people know you by your service? Do they know you by being someone who will bend over backwards to serve, to point people to Jesus? Are you known in this place to serve the church? Now, I'm going to throw this up up here on the screens, but there's going to be a QR code And I know I've done this the last few weeks and I will do it until I die because I believe in this, that every single one of us have gifts that we can offer and opportunities for us to serve. And whether it is on a Sunday morning or outside the walls of this place, um, I was just contacted this week by an elementary school that needs help laying mulch in their courtyard. And so a way for us to reach out to the community. If you're interested in that, come tell me. But this QR code, you can open up your camera, do that. If you're not currently serving, I will tell you this, and I know it's like the good old 80-20 rule, but I would say 20% of our congregation does 80%, if not more, of the serving. And so we need people to serve. So this is a great opportunity. I'll take you to a link. You can say what campus and what area you feel like you're gifted, want to serve. I always say this, man, if you hate kids, don't sign up to serving kids, all right? You know, don't do that. But if you're like, I can be a greeter, I can check in, families, I love to do that. I can help in the parking lot. I know a little bit about production. I, I can do those things or I, I want to do missions. However, you know, I'm praying that the Lord convicts you to show you, you have to do something. Do not be passive. Do not be lazy and do not make excuses. You can do something. Plug in somehow. Get connected. You are never more like Jesus than you are when you're serving people when you're serving the church, when you're investing into our kids and guests and all those things. So take opportunity. If you want to talk, I'll be down here a little bit later in the lobby. You can talk to me or one of our coordinators. We love to do that. Third and finally this morning, God wants to use you, but no one may remember your name. Now this is a kind of a weird point. And there's a, a great text in Ecclesiastes that really kind of shares a little bit of this. I'm going to read this. But we don't serve for a pat on our back. We don't serve um, for people to make us famous or any of that. We serve because we want to point people to Jesus. But listen to these uh, three verses in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter nine. It says, this is Solomon talking. He says, he says I, I have also seen the example of wisdom under the sun and it seemed great to me. So he's talking about wisdom. There was a little city with a few men in it and a great king Came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. No one remembered him. He delivered the city by himself. He didn't have a lot of money, he had wisdom. And he delivered the entire city, but no one remembered him. We don't serve. I don't pastor. Our volunteers don't serve in kids' ministry. Our student volunteers don't serve in students. Our production, they don't serve that to get some bulletin and to say, hey, look at me. It's about pointing people to Christ. Because I'm going to tell you, there's something special. I'm just going to be personal for a second. My fifth grader came home a couple weeks ago. We were at lunch And I'll be honest, our fifth grader, he has a hard time kind of articulating things. But our fifth grader came home and over lunch told us the entire story of Joseph. And he wouldn't be quiet, you know? And like the pastor and me, I was like, this is so good. Can we eat now? I'm like, want to pray, all right? Can we say the blessing I'm ready to eat? He just like, and you know what happened next? And you know what? And you know what? And you know what? And he told the entire thing. That's why our volunteers do it. Not so someone says, man, volunteers are awesome because our kids need to know Jesus. And our greeters greet because church can be overwhelming. When you come into a place you might have baggage from a previous time at church. You don't know what to expect for us to come into a place. This is a safe place. And we welcome people so we can point them to Jesus. And so I just encourage you. I don't, I don't know what that looks like, whether it's inside the walls of this place, whether it is in our community, in your neighborhood, at your job. We are called to serve Jesus. To be the hands and feet, to get our hands dirty and our feet to travel well, to make Jesus famous. It's not about us, it's not about our name recognition. You know, I don't want some building named after me or some plaque. It is about making Jesus the most important thing on the face of this planet and connecting people with Him. And we serve out of that passion. So let me encourage you if you're not serving, serve in some kind of capacity. Like I said, you can talk to me during this closing song or talk to us in the lobby. You can come down here. Maybe you're struggling with something else. Maybe you're struggling with anger. Maybe you're, you're, you have bitterness, resentment. Maybe you're just you're going through a circumstance right now. You just need some wisdom. Man, I would love to pray with you. You can come down here, use it as an altar just to spend some time with God. As we sing, it doesn't have to be about serving, but it is come, spend a moment in the craziness of life to say, I need to connect with Jesus right now. Let's pray together. Father, we do need to connect with you. And oftentimes in the busyness of life, we connect with so many other things. It takes our time, our talent, our resources instead of you. And Father, I just pray that this morning that, through your word that somehow as your voice speaks and we hear who you've called us to be, that we would step out, we would realign our priorities to say, I do need to be serving. And that God with great boldness, there be people here that step up and say, you know what, I, I would like to serve in this area. Begin to make a priority to say, and I wanna impact your kingdom. Whether that's in the walls of this place or outside in the community, there are people who don't know you. And so let us, point them to You. I pray for the person that's here this morning that's just struggling in their relationship with You. They might be here, they might be just dealing with anger and bitterness or forgiveness or whatever the case may be. That Father, during this this closing song, it might be the first time they've reached out to You in a long time, maybe the first time ever, that they would just connect with You and call Your name and say, God, I need You. Will You help me in this moment and season and this circumstance? Let us serve you to the best of our ability so that one day you would look us in the eyes and say, job well done, good and faithful servant. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Let's stand and let's close and worship together.